The world of strength and conditioning is filled with some awesome practitioners who are always trying to evolve and continue to grow professionally throughout their career. The problem with many of us, though, is finding a new outlet, a new way and a new perspective on the questions that we may have, whether it be programming, whether it be situational with dealing with coaches, or whether it be career advice. Because all too often what happens is we get stuck in with the same group of friends and the same group of colleagues that we reach out to for advice repeatedly over and over again. But what we should really be looking for is different perspectives, different people who have been through different situations who can help us make better decisions both for ourselves and our athletes. And one awesome place to start with that is the forums in the Strength Coach Network. In the forums in the Strength Coach Network, you'll be able to reach out and get feedback, input, and advice from coaches from all over the world from everything from career advice to training modalities to programming, there's people there just for the same reason as you are, to try to get better, to learn, to share information, and to grow the field of strength and conditioning. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com slash CVASPS, that's strengthcoachnetwork.com slash C-V-A-S-P-S, to dive into all that great content today and get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. I look forward to seeing you in the Strength Coach Network. Hey everybody and welcome to part 8 of the Metric Minute, brought to you by Vault Performance. I'm Kareem Jakawi and today we'll examine the overall eccentric phase. This episode is a little denser, but understanding the concepts will really pay off. So let's go. A counter movement jump always starts with the athlete standing upright at zero velocity. This gentleman has a mass that's being pulled down by gravity at a constant force. In this case, a thousand newtons or roughly 225 pounds. Since he's pushing into the ground with an equal but opposite force, they're in balance and he stands still. To initiate his descent for the jump, he pulls away from the ground slightly and coils downward. Doing so changes the force balance like a seesaw. Since gravity is now larger, he accelerates downward. He will continue to accelerate downward until he passes this point of maximum eccentric velocity. His force output increases over time and decelerates his body until he's at zero velocity again, but this time at the bottom of his squat. He started at zero velocity, went into impulse debt to build speed, then had to go above and beyond body weight to return to zero velocity. However, he's now loaded elastically and ready to triple extend. These two impulses will always be equal. To summarize these concepts, a powerful explosive athlete will display an aggressive unloading phase, which will require them to hit the brakes hard and fast. This check mark is highly beneficial because they can achieve huge forces at zero velocity in minimal time, both of which are desirable athletic traits we discussed in previous episodes. Now this drawn out approach here appears in numerous situations, including heavier athletes who smartly choose to avoid exponential spikes in force, those who don't have sufficient braking power or strength to handle high rates of force development, as well as injured or perhaps fatigued individuals. There are other concepts to discuss, but this is a great starting point. Tune in next time to learn more about the connection between the eccentric and concentric phases. Until then, please feel free to reach out to myself or any of my colleagues at Vald. Thank you. What's happening, everybody? Jay DeMeo coming at you with this week's edition of My Thoughts Monday. And uh, this week, I, I kind of want to just, you know, use this as a bit of a soundboard and, and bounce off of y'all what we've been talking about here when it comes to our energy system development in the general physical preparation phase of our off-season program and, and some of the thoughts behind it. You know, we've, we've sat down and we've done a, quite a bit of talking and really, like, auditing of what we've been doing and planning. You know, I've been trying to share stuff with the one by 20 
that we're looking at in that general aspect and the things that we're trying to build there. And now we're really looking at how we can be better when it comes to having a congruent uh, and a symbiotic relationship, even more so, with the energy system development and the work we do in the weight room. Because as we know, it's not one versus the other. They, they need to be intertwined and work together. So we're looking at this eight-week phase. And the reason I'm saying we're looking at this eight-week phase, for those of you who may be unaware of the rules as it pertains to uh, the NCAA, in the summer, you have eight weeks of what are called CARA hours, which is Countable Athletic-Related Activities. So during those times, we only have eight weeks where they're mandatory, if you may, or recordable or accountable or whatever you want to call it. So we're sitting here and we're trying to find these progressions to, to work through that window. And then there's a, a few things that we are trying to keep in mind here, right? The first is that they're going to be coming off a break, right? Coming off of a time between the end of semester and returning to class. And then there's a break after for three to four weeks. So if we know that they're gonna train for eight-ish weeks, and then they're gonna have a three to four week break, there's something that is really important to, to keep in mind there. And that is what training effects should we be looking to focus on that are going to have um, the greatest residual effects throughout that downtime? Because I think one of the things we learned from COVID when all of these people were home is that chances are they're doing even a little less than we thought when they're at home. So when we look at that, I think that probably the best resource for that is in uh, Vladimir Isseron's book, Through Ultimate Athlete Concepts uh, in Block Periodization, where he has his residual training effect chart um, I'll put in the show notes what page it is. I don't remember off the top of my head. But I want to say that strength and aerobic training are both somewhere in the area of a month, right? 20-something days to 30-something days, which is great. And that kind of piggybacks an earlier My Thoughts Monday that I did a few weeks ago talking about how, you know, it's important for us to kind of get back to doing the general, right? And we have to remember, too, that this summertime stuff is your general physical preparation. Yes, they are doing sporting activity. Yes, they are working with the coaches and quote-unquote practicing. But it's also our time that's furthest away from the competitive season. So it's our time to develop these general qualities. So as we look at that, and we're tying things together with the entire program, we now look at what is the actual goal of this aspect of the program, right? Like what is the why to doing this conditioning? And what are some things that impact it? Well, to me, the why of any energy system development program or the focal point of the conditioning aspect of the program is simply to make the game easier. And I know that that probably sounds like a bit too much of a dumbed down version of it, but it's pretty much the God's honest truth as to how I look at it. We can describe it as we want to decrease the strain of the stress that is elicited on the organism and their resilience to said stress 
during competition and life. Or we can just say, in layman's terms, we're trying to make the game easier for them. So when we look at that and we know that they're going to be practicing all summer, and we know that the aerobic system and general strength are the two um, qualities that are going to have the longest residual training effect, we then take a look at our programming and we look at how we want to develop energy systems. And we look at it then from the ground up. And we look at it from the ground up because the primary goal at this point, right, in training, we love to talk about that pyramid, right, and how we can build a bigger base. And I've talked about how if we only build the bigger base, then, you know, maybe it turns into a trapezoid, right? But in this instance, we want to build this bigger base because especially when we're looking, A, at the duration after so that we're not just doing a bunch of stuff, having them go home, and it being a waste of time because the effects, if you may, effects won't necessarily be there when they come back. So B, we are developing a base of, you know, structural adaptations for them to build upon later. So if we increase strength a little bit and we allow them to grow with that and we increase some of these aerobic qualities, we now have allowed A, practice to be easier and B, them to be able to work at a higher intensity level for a longer duration of time. If they can work at a higher intensity level for a longer duration of time in practice, we therefore should see increases in sport form because they are now spending more time and being more focused and working at a higher level in their actual skill development. So how do we look at doing this? Well, during the summer, in these eight weeks, and really starting a bit when they come back in the fall to kind of give it that little kick in the butt and pick me up, we look at a couple things. We look at, first of all, is this a person who needs simple, general, aerobic development? If they are, we do do some cue work with them. We have looked at resting heart rate in the past. I've talked about that in multiple presentations. And then how we build this is looking at anaerobic threshold intervals and using different off foot, if you may, conditioning. Because we have to remember, they're still practicing a lot. They play all year. They're gonna play pickup. And in the sport of basketball, there's a ton of overuse injuries, right? We've got guys with toe issues. We've got guys with ankle issues, back issues, and knee issues all over the place that are just from the constant pounding of running on hardwood. So when we look at the goal of this energy system development work, we wanna make practice in the game easier so they're able to work at a higher level. So how we look at it this time, is we want to increase the durations and increase the outputs that these athletes can work at before they reach a fatigue state, before things like hypoxia kick in. Some people would call this increasing their anaerobic threshold. Now, we can talk until we're blue in the face about does anaerobic threshold really exist? Is it that much in a vacuum where there's just this specific point where you get to and all of a sudden it's like, oh no, I'm at anaerobic threshold and now my legs are on fire and I can't run anymore. Well, probably not. And we also know that for the most part, these fatigue states are task specific. So if we know that, what we're looking to do then is cross train them. We're looking to perform a multitude of different exercises at specific heart rates so that we can increase the outputs 
in these areas and we can increase the durations of work that we can use in these different areas while we are continuing to practice on the court. Which in theory, if we are increasing these general capacities in a multitude of different scenarios, while slowly increasing the intensity, excuse me, and duration of work on the court, there then should be carryover from the work we're doing that is being applied into the work on the court. It's the same idea of taking these slow steps when it comes to strength training. As long as we are continually increasing slowly the volume and intensity of the work that we are able to withstand and we are able to adapt to when it comes to our general physical preparations energy system work, meaning can you go from four sets of five minutes to five sets of five minutes or four sets of six minutes? And can that work rate at least stay constant? If the work rate can stay constant and go longer, that's a win. If the work rate can go up during the same amount of time, that's a win. So we're now pushing this bar up. And as we push that bar up, as long as we continue to do skill work and incorporate aspects of the sport skill and aspects of the competitive exercise, we should therefore have greater transfer and allow the athletes to then increase their outputs on the court and then increase their ability to perform at a higher level. So that's what we're looking at. Finding different ranges, if you may, having them work within them, having them continue to increase duration and intensity and slowly increase the work on the court to hopefully then have greater transfer, increase these aerobic qualities so that when we come back, we can work more on special work capacity. But as always, we'd love to hear your thoughts, comments, input on what we're trying to do here because like I said, this is a soundboard this week. This is what we're thinking about. And this has been the culmination of a lot of meetings and a lot of talking and a lot of rebuilding. So if you think we're off like Samsonite, don't hide. Hit me a DM, send me a text or an email because I'd love to hear more about it. And as always, I truly appreciate everything y'all do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We'll be back next week with another My Thoughts Monday. I'll see you then.